we're, you know, one becomes many and we're all, we're all in this together. And that's why I like to say I share food freedom and solidarity in motherhood through sourdough. And people are kind of confused. I think at first they're like, oh, so you're not just a baker. I'm like, I consider myself, that's the last thing I am. Mm -hmm. I really try to be this beacon as much as I can um, through teaching sourdough. And I, I think, I hope when you said that I felt this gentleness when it came that you were teaching sourdough to us, it was like, that's exactly what I'm trying to do here. Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a super mom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the supermama I know you are. Hey friends, Kristen here, holistic health coach and certified intuitive eating counselor and your host of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Friends, I don't even know what to say about this episode that you're about to listen to. It was hands down one of my favorite conversations that I've had here on the podcast. Ashley, who I'm going to introduce you to in just a minute, is such an incredible human being with such an incredible story. And I knew pretty much instantly as soon as we connected that I wanted to get her on the podcast to share her story. We connected through our mutual friend Laura and her sourdough sisterhood workshop. So we're going to be sharing a lot about the process of baking sourdough bread, but her story goes so far beyond sourdough bread. She talks about food freedom and nourishment and choosing simplicity in our lives and choosing magic in the mundane and how this all ties in to the beauty of baking sourdough bread and how sourdough is such an incredible way of connecting with ourselves with our community with other women and with our world this like I said is just one of my absolute favorite conversations I've ever had Ashley asked me before she came on if it was okay to share her whole story um, because there are parts of her story that are really hard. And I told her that she was 100% welcome to share her story here on the podcast because I truly believe that there is a woman out there listening. It might be you who needs to hear her story, even the hardest parts. So with that, I do want to share that there are some difficult parts to her story. We talk about sexual trauma and abuse, and if that is triggering for you, this might not be the episode that's for you, but if you're okay hearing a little bit about that, she talks about it in such an empowering and courageous way. She doesn't go into details, but it is an important part of her story, and I'm just so, so grateful 
that she came on and that she shared her story and that she shared her heart and how we tie it all in to baking sourdough bread. So to just introduce her really quick before we jump into our conversation, Ashley Gray is a wife, mother, and unwavering optimist. Five years ago, she left a successful 13-year career in personal training to heal a damaging relationship with food and to finally embrace her body and ultimately her life. Along the way, she found a love for the ancient wisdom of sourdough and in early 2020 opened Sunshine and Sage, an online shop selling organic sourdough starter from her Colorado kitchen. Most importantly, she shares food freedom and empowerment in motherhood through sourdough. Friends, without further ado, I cannot wait for you to dig in to our conversation. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I am so excited to chat with you today. I knew as soon as we first connected that I wanted to have you on and to share your story. So I'm so excited to be here and to have you do that. Oh my gosh, I'm so, so honored to to be here and to talk to you and your lovely listeners. And I can't wait to, to chat about this awesome topic. So before we dig in, I love to start with just an easy icebreaker, just a get to know you. I promise mm-hmm. it's super easy. Okay. <laughs> what do you drink first thing in the morning when you wake up? Um, I do have some water first thing, have some water. And then the coffee pot is like ready to go at 5.30 a.m. It starts brewing and I drink my water and then I have a really good cup of coffee and we're really into new mexican pinion blend if anyone is curious we love pinion pine coffee and and then i dollop it with like like heavy cream it's like a splash of heavy cream and that is my that is my coffee drink that is my drink every morning so so good i'm gonna need to know more about this coffee off air because i am an unofficial coffee connoisseur i love coffee oh we love it and i just sit there alone and i just kind of drink in the morning before my little one wakes up so good that's my favorite way to start the morning too is a little bit of quiet time before the girls get up because Children are wonderful, but they have a lot of energy. I feel like every single kid just wakes up with this bursting energy and it's so beautiful and incredible, but it's also important to kind of ground ourselves before (laughs) receiving that energy. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. So we are going to be talking about something that I have not talked about yet on the podcast. And it's so funny to think of sourdough as a podcast topic, but there is so much behind your story and how you discovered sourdough. And and I just feel so honored to be a part of the sourdough sisterhood and to share the wisdom of sourdough and ancient foods and traditions. And I think that you have... Um, such a cool perspective on this. So I already shared kind of your bio, but I would love if you could share a little bit more about just who you are and what you're passionate about bringing to the world. Oh my gosh. Well, I do want to say first, I know that you're into the Enneagram. So I'm an Enneagram (laughs) seven. So I am an enthusiast. Mm -hmm. So I truly wake up every day with like this new sense of wonder and oh my gosh how can I squeeze the most joy out of today and the most love out of today and um you know that sort of mentality in my life has 
morphed over the years of every different phase that I've been in, whether it was college or, you know, just getting married to, to motherhood now, but I truly, truly am an, un, like, I am just the optimist. And I, even if things are really, really hard, I actually enjoy sitting in it and trying to like, just let it take over me and try to like, get the message of what it's trying to tell me. So I'm, but I'm also the only introvert Enneagram seven I've ever met. I really um, feel my soul when I am alone, but I, I don't ever really truly feel alone. I feel really um, surrounded by things that make me happy. Um, people from past and present just sending me sort of, you know, nuggets of, of wisdom that I might need to know at the time. Um, and I, I could literally sit and look out our window in Colorado and just um, daydream and, and note take and, and, you know, just deep think all day long. Um, but I have a two-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old. He's close to three. And he has completely changed my life uh, for the better. Obviously, I mean, made me the woman I am today for sure. And I have to give major kudos to my husband. I am so in like, I'm in love with my husband. We have a very, um, I like to say that we find magic in the margins. And I want to explain that a little bit. We live simply and we live good. So um, this is, I know this sounds a little odd, this conversation, this answer, but it really paints a picture of who I am. Um, my nickname is Sunny. I am, I am bright and I'm not, I, I don't like to say bubbly because I think of bubbly as being effervescent and sort of floating. I am very grounded um, and I know who I am, but I, I really choose to see the joy. And I think that if we, if we seek it, we find it, if we make that intention to seek it. Um, but my husband and I are very intentional with our life here and we we really try to find the magic in the mundane and i think as a mom that is that is what i strive for and and that is my that is my passion my true passion that i really found through sourdough which we're going to talk about um has been to be that that sort of beacon of light you know in those really dark nights of motherhood that we feel alone but we're truly not alone we are part of this big collective um, and that's my big passion is to create a space, um, a physical and a virtual space, which I'm doing with the workshops, the sourdough sisterhood workshops, um, and my, and my website and all of these things, a place where women feel seen, feel heard, feel safe to, to share their story, to share their heart. Because I think when you give light to our story, we, we give life to ourselves and, and we feel we feel connected, even though we're not um, necessarily, we don't know our deep, dark secrets and things like that, but it's like we, we feel seen and we feel heard. Um, and that, that, is my, that is my passion to be this, to create this big space where people can come and you know, break bread together, which we'll get into more, but I just have such a passion for the mother, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. You can see me nodding along with you, but I, I could not agree more with the, the connection and how I, I can 
just like like feel the the passion behind you talking about wanting to create this connection and create this community. And I love that you are a seven, but you are also you know a little bit introverted and yeah. a feeler. And I'm I'm thinking as you're saying this, like it's no wonder you and Laura are friends because <laughs> mm-hmm. we we met through uh, Laura Bruner, who is um, who's she's been on the podcast. She was on the podcast last year. Um, We'll have to get her back on again because she's just Mm -hmm. an incredible human. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not even sure how you guys first connected, but you're definitely soul sisters, you can tell, um, because she's definitely, you know, one for the adventure and the connection. And I appreciate that because as a one myself, so anyone who doesn't know the Enneagram, they have to go listen to Jess's episode. I can't remember the episode number off the top of my head, but I'll have to link it in the show notes. She, she goes over all of the Enneagram numbers, but I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And I like things to look a certain way. And it's really, it's harder for me to find spontaneity and fun and the magic and the mundane, like you, like you say, and sometimes connection can be hard for me mm-hmm. because, you know, I, oftentimes live my life according to this set of kind of plans that I've planned out for myself. And sometimes I miss some of that connection and some of that magic. And so I so appreciate connecting with women like you who want to bring every type of woman in together and, and support them in that way. It's so cool. Yeah. It's, it's honestly about changing your perspective. Cause I'm, a, I lean towards one a lot where mm-hmm. I want to be spontaneous, but I can only be spontaneous if these things are met. So I have to have a lot of control. Um, control is a really big word for me. Um, but I, I've learned that if I can take a deep breath and find the magic, like I always say, find the magic in the mundane, um, I have to change my perspective. I have to change what I have to redefine what I think um, magic is, right? So if my kid is crying and all over me, I have to, I have to take a minute. This, this is not easy. I'm not saying that this is how I parent and it's so wonderful and beautiful and magical. It's not, it's, it's gosh, I, I really truly am a soft place to land for him. And that's all I ever wanted. And I will just sit there, right? And and that's what I mean. So it's about for me changing the perspective of the the filter that we're trying to um that we're trying to to match with. Like what does look perfect? Well, it's up to you, right? So mm-hmm. um so it's a lot of surrendering that and redefining. So that's what that's how I've sort of adopted this mentality and surrendered a lot to life is is this idea of redefining what I think is important yeah oh my gosh I love that so much perspective is it's everything yeah I think the words perspective redefine I think writing them down and just where you can see them I think because I think as women we are we do we do like things to be a certain way, to look a certain way, to control a cert- to a certain extent. Um, but I think if, if we just really hold on to those words, a lot of magic can come, can come from that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. 
So I would love for you to just share more about your story. So I mentioned that we we met through Laura. So we're going to be talking about sourdough. So I'll very briefly share my sourdough story. Yay, <laughs> Which is that. very, well, I mean, it's very short and sweet, really. Um, I had not had sourdough for most of my life. We grew up just eating, you know, whatever regular wheat bread in the package. And Mm -hmm. I never really experienced bakery bread or anything like that. Um, My great grandmother is Syrian. So we had really amazing fresh baked pita bread. And Mm. so I had that growing up. But other than that, I didn't really have any experience with bread, but I did struggle really deeply with some digestive problems about um, eight or nine years ago now when my husband and I were living in Toronto and someone in the, I was studying holistic nutrition at the time and somebody in the holistic nutrition world, I can't even remember who, suggested that I might try sourdough. And I'm like, well, it's still wheat and I can't have it, right? So um, I didn't even explain that the gluten was the first thing that I took out when I was struggling with these digestive problems and it mm-hmm. helped a lot. It didn't solve everything, but it definitely helped quite a bit. And someone suggested that sourdough might work for me. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure. And she was like, but you need to find true sourdough. And so that this not the sourdough that you get at the bakery at the grocery store that's still made with yeast, but real true traditional sourdough. So I searched and I found this place that made real true sourdough at the St. Lawrence Market in Toronto. And my husband and I trekked out on a Saturday and we went to the market and it was like such an incredible loaf of bread and it was so expensive (laughs) and we would only get it every so often um and once I moved back to the states about five years later I had kind of worked through my digestive struggles and I went on this whole you know journey to finding Mm. my own freedom of food and I know Mm. that we're gonna talk about that and it was just sort of an afterthought. It wasn't something that I was, you know, thinking about very much. And there was there this really amazing local bakery called Olga's that just closed and they made really incredible fresh sourdough, just like the one that I had tried at the market in Toronto. And I live in a very small state, but it still takes like 45 minutes to get to this one bakery that makes Mm. this really incredible sourdough. So we Mm. wouldn't get it all that often. We could get it at the market sometimes. So they closed a couple months ago and it was interestingly enough right around the same time where I started and I've, I followed Laura for years, but where I kind of started following her sourdough journey on Instagram. And I was thinking, you know, it'd be really fun to learn how to make it myself. But (laughs) despite having a culinary background, I am so intimidated by baking. We did one (laughs) month of baking in culinary school and it was like the most stressful month of my life because I am not... (laughs) a baker. I'm so much more of a chef. That's where my creativity and my fun Mm. and my spontaneity comes out is oftentimes in the kitchen. And so it was really funny. I I was struggling a little bit more with some digestive problems earlier in this year, kind of linked to some stress that I was going through. It always crops up when Mm -hmm. I'm feeling a little bit more stressed. Mm -hmm. And when she started announcing that she was doing these workshops, I was like, you know what? 
I know how gentle and loving Laura is. And I know that even if I mess it up, it's only flour and water. So Mm -hmm. why don't I go ahead and try to make this starter? And it was such a fun experience to watch the starter grow and start to bubble and to create something new. Like I know you're going to talk about your own experience. And then I went ahead and did the workshop with you guys. There was a couple experiences in making this starter where I was so sure that I killed it, that it was dead. And of course, I'm stressing out about my sourdough starter, which is Uh (laughs) so silly. A one thing to do. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And then when we, we all get together for this class and it worked, it floated, I made it, it was this beautiful loaf. And now I've, I can't even count how many loaves I've made since. And it was all thanks to, I think, getting on this call with the two of you and hearing your passion behind it and your gentleness with the process too, Mm -hmm. where you're like, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. If this doesn't work, we'll troubleshoot it. We'll make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's been this really beautiful experience kind of learning it for myself and being a part of this community. And even just like the Facebook group is so supportive. Everyone comes around each other and gives Mm -hmm. each other tips and tricks and support. And it's, it's just so beautiful. So now that I have taken up all this time sharing my own story, I want to hear how you got into all of this? How did you get into sourdough? How did you, how did this become such a big part of your life? Well, first off, I have to say what a beautiful story. And the fact that you remember my husband and I took this drive and we went to this bakery and it was so expensive, but it was so magical. And like that is when food is so nourishing, right? And this, this big story behind sourdough, which someone took the time over a day to create and you're getting to sit and, and enjoy it and have this conversation and this experience with your husband, it, you can tell it's such a remarkable memory for you as you're telling it. So I just want to make a point of that. Like it's, it's such a story, right? Like when your food tells a story, it's so powerful. So I just think that's so amazing. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, So, okay, my story, I am not just a a sourdough baker, and I don't think of myself as a baker. I, my story really, really, truly begins as a little girl. Um, I was seven years old. I was sexually abused by my female cousin. And I didn't at the time understand what was happening, right, at seven years old. And I think as I became aware of what happened, um, I started to have memories of what happened and, and then it was sort of this narrative of, well, you know, kids are young and they experiment and they show their bodies and they do things and you know, honey, it's okay. It's okay. But it wasn't okay. She was, she was actually 10 years older than me. I idolized this person. She, and as I grew up and as I got older, I realized what had happened was you know, my mouth was covered and I was told not to say anything or else there would be, you know, there would be um, consequences. And I think that we need to stop for one, telling our, our daughters and our little girls, you know, or the little girls in us that it's okay, this happens. You know, when these seemingly normal, as you want, as people like to call them, moments happen for little girls or little boys, right? if they have the power to change your personality, that's pretty big. So 
I, I grew up sort of thinking, huh, this happened, no big deal, right? I just kind of kept shoving it down. But then I realized as a teenager and a young teen and then a young adult that I was really living a life where I did not have a voice. I really, truly, only the only voice I had was the one that would make other people happy. The one I knew would be satisfying to other people. So I really grew up as a people pleaser, really nervous, an only kid who, you know, was becoming an introvert and just um, really choosing to create ways in her life to support self-preservation and safety. And as I got into college and like choosing the path that you want to go down, you know, what other than personal trainer makes you feel in control? So I really chose this mask of, you know what, I'm going to look really good. I'm going to have a, I'm going to look like I have control in my body. And I did, I didn't think anything of this. This is all me looking back right in the moment. It's like, Oh my God, I feel so powerful and so in control and so in charge as a personal trainer. I get to, people are asking me how to live their life, how to eat, right? So I got a degree in exercise science. I got all the certifications I needed. I was on top of the world as so it looked. So I had a 13-year career as a personal trainer, a health, like a business owner. I worked 5 a.m. to 3 p.m. I'd go back at like 6 to 8 if I needed to. I you know, I was fueled by the affirmations of my clients, them telling me, God, thank you so much. I really needed you. I really need you. I could never, you know, imagine doing this without you. And I felt so fueled. I felt so good. Right. And then the moment that I would get home, the moment that the weekends would come, if I wasn't with my clients, if I wasn't working constantly, it was and especially as I got older, as I got closer to, you know, the 25 to 30 marker was a lot of major anxiety and stress over the food I ate, the decisions I made. I felt that I had to earn the food I truly craved through working out. Mm. And it was, it was a big problem. And especially I, I hadn't had a period in over two years when I married my husband and um, two years became three years, three years became four years, you know, and I, him and I, but, but right. It, this was, this was um, bad habits is a nice word to put it, but this behavior was, a really good excuse for having a healthy lifestyle, right? Quote unquote, healthy lifestyle. I have to eat these things and look this way to look like I have control. So people will back the F off, right? This is my safety net. And then we started to really want kids. And all I pictured with having a kid was like, oh my gosh, making memories with a child, how fun and having a kid, right? And then I thought about, wait, there's a lot of things that need to happen before I have a kid. Um, it wasn't until I really started to, you know, the narrative of food freedom started to kind of gain, started to gain popularity and come out. 
that I was like, I'm really, I started to get really uneasy telling my clients what to eat because these girls were, they were my age. They were my friends and they would ask me like, well, what do I eat? And I started to say things like, well, what sounds good? And I would get these looks of anger, confusion. And I thought, okay, I get it. But, you know, I don't feel comfortable giving diets anymore. I don't feel comfortable because I was, I mean, I have done the full spectrum. I was a bikini competitor. I used to train bikini competitors. I used to, you know, now that I look back and I think, wow, I, I stood on a stage in a bikini and let men and women judge me if I was to see if I was worthy or not of a prize. Right. And that, that narrative played so much of my life from my, in my twenties. And I, you know, flashback, you know, five years ago, I'm looking at my clients and I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not going to measure you anymore. I'm not going to weigh you anymore. I can't do this anymore. You, you are worthy, right? We're going to, we're going to go over healthy lifestyles, but you have to work with me in this. And, you know, I lost a lot of popularity. I lost a lot of clients in that time. This was before body positivity and food freedom. This was just like when intuitive eating was kind of gaining a little traction. And I thought, I think I need to back away from training. So I did, but I got really hardcore into CrossFit. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're, you, you leave one thing, but you're still kind of holding on. Right. So I got into CrossFit. Um, I had quit my job. I didn't work because my doctor was like, in order to have a kid, you have to quit your job. You can't do this 5am thing. So I, I got into CrossFit and I found this community where I, that I loved whoever is in CrossFit. They know um, it's a wonderful community to be a part of. But during a workout one day, I was doing kipping pull-ups where you're kind of like swinging on the bar. I lose grip on the bar, fall and break my arm. The first thought that came to my mind was, thank God you're finally going to stop killing yourself with excessive workouts. And then I thought, how is that my first thought? Mm. The fact that that is my first thought is alarming. So I call my husband and I say, I think, I think I just broke my arm. And, and I, I drive home and we, we go get x-rays, we go get a cast, we do all these things and we're sitting, we're sitting at dinner. And I remember we went to the cheesecake factory after like, I, it was like eight o'clock at night. We we're starved and we're sitting there. And I remember sitting there saying, what am I going to eat? How am I going to eat? What am I going to, how, how am I going to move my body? What am, you know, and a slew of fears and anxieties and questions were pouring out. And, and he's like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be hard. This is going to be really hard. And I remember sitting on my couch the next day with a cast on thinking, holy shit, Ashley, like the floodgates opened and years, Chris, like years, decades of, of grief were pouring out of me. And I remember a voice inside me saying, you just have to sit through this. You just have to sit through it. I didn't, I walked for however long it takes six weeks or more. I walked and I listened and I 
truly, truly dug deep into what kind of woman I wanted to be and not the woman that was this armor I thought I needed, right? So I was using these tools that served me when I was seven, but they didn't serve me as, you know, a 27-year-old something woman who wanted to start having a family. And I just, I read every book I could. I even went through a um, eating psychology nine-month course to try and learn as much as I could. And it saved my life, for one. I mean, I wouldn't be the woman I am if I, if I didn't do these things. But I, I really made it my mission to, to ask myself really big questions and to not turn away no matter how hard they were. And I, you know, I really, I talked to my parents about what was going on. I'm really, really, really fiercely close with them. And I respect every ounce of love and wisdom that they, they have given me and give to me. So I, I came to them with my big story and um, I talked to obviously my husband and, and I just was done. And I just decided from then on out, I was only going to have a relationship with food that was nourishing. I was never again going to count. I was never again going to, you know, take Tupperware into Christmas dinner with like boiled chicken and broccoli. Cause I've done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't going to get wrapped up in a shame binge cycle anymore. And I was, I was very concerned about my stomach when I was going through this food freedom journey. I would always eat something and then go check my stomach to make sure it was a six pack still. Um, this was a obsessive compulsive thing where it was like, do I still have control? Like, do I still look this way? Do I still? And I realized I had this major fear of gaining weight and I had to like it, it, you know, this whole journey that we go through for the listeners who are going through this journey with food freedom, it is many, many, many layers and they are all hard and it is laborious. It is not one book fixes you. It is, it is, asking yourself these really hard questions. Why am I so afraid of gaining weight? What does it mean? And then I I realized the stomach for women truly means I'm so strong. You can't get to me. Look at me. Like, and I realized, Oh my God, Ashley, you're, you're, you're fiercely holding on to this life preserver that you think that you need. And during, so during this time, I was slowly, slowly letting go like one finger at a time, right? It's not like you let go and you're, you're food freedom now and intuitive eating. I was, I was slowly, slowly letting go. And my husband would say things like, well, what sounds good tonight? What, what sounds good? What, what, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I can't eat anything. And cause at the time I also had gut issues. And, mm-hmm. and I think that when you struggle with food freedom, you do inevitably develop gut issues because you're so freaking stressed. Mm -hmm. You're so stressed about the food you're eating. You're white knuckling your fork and you're judging your plate. You're not in the moment. You're not actually bringing pleasure to your plate. So you're not relaxed. And I decided, I think I need to become a relaxed eater and I need to enjoy food because I do really like food when it's like, when I go home to visit my mom and she makes me my favorite meal of all time. And I'm, 
And it's like this, this experience, like you talked about going to go get sourdough with your husband, it becomes this story. So you all automatically enjoy these foods, like, oh, like your birthday cake, like, oh, it's my birthday cake, da, da, da. Like it's, it becomes this loving experience where you're not so stressed. And I decided I was going to treat every day like that. Mm. I was going to treat every meal. I was going to give myself the gift of time. And I was going to sit down and take deep breaths and really chew my food and really taste my food and ask, have I had enough? Do I want more? And even if you're full and you want more, Ashley, you can have more. It's okay. And, and I, I, I went through this years. This was, this was a big journey for me. This was a year long journey, at least of embracing pleasure without feeling like I had to ask for it, earn it, redeem, like, you know, go run after to, you know, pay penance for the food I was enjoying. And I realized like, you've really, this woman that, you know, took advantage of you made you feel like you weren't worthy. Like your voice didn't matter, but it really truly matters. And so we get, we get to the end of the road here and my husband loves to cook. He loves carby, you know, bready things, which is such a dogmatic thing for women. And I would always say things like, I can't eat that. And he would go, well, then why don't we try sourdough? Why don't we just make it ourselves, Ashley? You know, let's just do it. And he actually got I was like, it has to be my idea, right? And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. There's no space here. We live in a small place and I don't want to. And he just was like, I'm going to order this really pretty book. It's, and it, it ended up being like the world's most difficult sourdough method. But we got this book, we got the equipment and we're doing it together. Um, and he's really taking charge on this. And I'm just kind of like watching in the background reluctantly, you know, I did not want to eat bread. I don't, it's such a funny thing how much power this food had over me. Um, but I, I truly, there's, there's always been this like older knowing inside of me that's always like pushing me, like, just do it, Ashley. Just, you can do this. You, it's going to be okay. It's just bread, right? And we, we did it and we baked together and it slowly but surely started to become more about the process of sourdough, then like I started to feel the difference between nourishment and calories, if that makes sense. And, and I just went with it. I started to bake um, pretty regularly for our family every week for years. Um, and as I was baking, as I, I had my hands in the dough, I had, you know, my feet, my bare feet on the ground. I could feel grounded. Sourdough takes time and nurturing and presence. And um, it takes a little spontaneity, but it really just takes your time to sit with it. And I could feel, I, I would have these beautiful books from the library I checked out. And I'm, I'm a geek when it comes to older cookbooks. And I was, I was so fascinated by these cookbooks from the 50s and earlier of women who, women of the American West who had come across 
you know, the country with their five kids and have a, you know, a gun surrendering, like to protect themselves against wild animals. And like, you know, their, (laughs) their cookbooks were amazing, but the whole concept of, holy man, women are so strong and they were able to make something out of nothing, something so beautiful to feed their family out of the most simple ingredients, out of flour and water to create something so magical, so beautiful, um, so nourishing. And I thought, there is something more here that is, that is feeding me here. There's something deeper. And I just got more into it. I could feel myself relaxing. I could, I would start to think about what kind of mother I wanted to be, who I wanted to be. And I would, I would think about these words. And I kind of, I said them earlier, but this idea of being a soft place to land, I wanted to be that. I didn't want to be hard anymore. And I just had this image of me in the kitchen, baking bread, mixing dough, shaping dough, and all these little feet popping up next to my feet. And I I had this image of holding space, creating space, just like I do for me and my husband or for this bread, like, cause I'll go into that more later, but it's, I was, I was no longer, it was no longer important to me to maintain this ideal body. I'm more, it was more important to me that my life told a story that I was proud of and that my food told a story I was proud of. And like, it's, it's surreal to be telling the story and to, and cause it was, it feels not that long ago that I was, you know, my husband was like, well, what do you want for dinner? And I would cry in the parking lot because I was like, I can't eat anything. And like, so I just, so solidarity for, for women who are wherever they're at on their food freedom, on their food journey. I've been there. I've been really dark places. Um, but the sourdough in getting into this process over years and years has really taught me that food is so much more than marketing labels and calories. And you, you are the one that gets to decide what to eat, how much to eat. There is, you are the one in charge. Food has no power. And I was doing this thing and Laura and I connected on Instagram solely because she was selling beauty counter. And I was like, I just have this weird feeling her and I should connect. And I I get these thoughts a lot in life. Like, I just feel like I need to reach out. I just feel like there's something there. And I called her about selling beauty counter, but the call ended up being an hour long chat about life. And we just connected. And, but that was there was a year here where we're connecting and we're friends and we're sharing. And she's like, wait, you sell, you make sourdough. I really want to get into that. And I would share on this little corner of social media, which is like, I would, I would share these musings of motherhood and food freedom and sourdough. And I would write them on the, you know, this, these little squares and I would throw them out into this, this great abyss, you know, of, of Instagram. And I would think, I really hope this touches someone. Right. And Laura would message me like, you have so much to say and you need to say it more. Like you need to shout it. And I was like, you don't understand. I can't do that. Like I'm, I'm not that, I can't be on 
like you are and I respect the way what you do but I just I I feel like I don't know do I say the right things da, 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 da. and it wasn't until maybe nine months ago no I'm sorry over a year ago she came to visit me and she that's very Laura to be like I'm gonna come see you and it's gonna be great and da, 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 and la, and and she came to me and I was so nervous, like, oh my God, there's going to be someone in my, a woman, a strong woman, right? Which I, I have intimidation of strong women and they're, my safety net goes up and, you know, they're coming into my space and, but I love her so much that I, and I felt so safe with her and we're, we're chatting. There was a snowstorm outside. There was no cell phone reception. She's in my home. We're sharing sourdough. We're breaking bread together, which is this really deep moving experience that sourdough brings this this connecting thing and and in the meantime I had not I had lost my voice for a month so she's I my my voice is kind of scratchy and she's like so what's going on with your voice I'm like I have a story to tell but I'm really scared to tell it and she's like what's what story is it and I start to open up about my sexual abuse story and and then I can't stop. And then over a year, I'm sharing it like crazy. And I'm saying, this happened to me. And it's happened to a lot of us. And God damn it, we're, I need to say it. We need to share it. We need to be together here. It's, and you have a voice. You have a voice. I want to hear your voice. And it just, it's been exploding over the past year. Um, but I, but I'm t- I really, truly think that sourdough was this conduit for me. Um, this creativity, this, this outlet in motherhood, which can feel really isolating, right? Like kind of guiding me along this path to share my voice. Um, a really long story and I'm sorry, but it's, it's one that it needs nurturing and it needs to come out every once in a while. Um, but that's why I like to say, I'm not just, I didn't just pick up a book and think I'm going to give this a try it really started a really long time ago. And, um, and I'm just so proud of what it's done. And I'm proud of myself for not, for, for sharing my voice and for sharing this, this art because it's given, it's like we're all holding hands across the country. Every single person who takes a sisterhood workshop or who gets starter from me, we're, you know, one becomes many and we're all, we're all in this together. And that's why I like to say I share food freedom and solidarity in motherhood through sourdough. And people are kind of confused. I think at first they're like, oh, so you're not just a baker. I'm like, I consider myself, that's the last thing I am. Mm -hmm. I really try to be this beacon as much as I can um, through teaching sourdough. And I, I think, I hope when you said that I felt this gentleness when it came that you were teaching sourdough to us. It was like, that's exactly what I'm trying to do here. So, so that's, that's my very long sourdough story. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for opening up, for sharing your story. I'm like over here trying to like hold back tears (laughs) at like different parts in your story. Cause I mean, you are, just, I mean, you are so incredibly courageous for being there and sharing it. And, but I can see that, you know, the power in it 
And I, you know, I'm in a similar place where I've had a lot of, you know, hard experiences in my life and I've opened up about some and there's some I haven't opened up about yet. And I think every time I share, you know, more and more bits of my story and I have women on the podcast sharing their story, I do feel this collective connection with other women who need to hear these stories because I think there are so many women out there who feel very alone with whatever they're going through, whether it is experiencing abuse, sexual trauma, or they've experienced, you know, issues with food and they don't want to admit it to anyone. And I just, I appreciate your honesty and your openness so much and your desire to share that and to create community through your story and through Sourdough. And I think it's so beautiful that something as simple as flour and water can, just like you were saying, can create such an incredible community and conduit, like you said, for, for sharing and, and for connection. So I'm just so, so grateful for you sharing your story. And I know that our stories have so many parallels too. I'm nodding along with you with so many of these experiences with feeling like I needed to control and that like little tiny bits of needing to let go of that control. And I so appreciate you sharing too, when you, your husband suggested that you guys make sourdough together and you were like, okay, but I can't eat that. I can't eat bread. And I think so many of us have fears around so many different foods, but bread is one of them, right? Mm -hmm. Where we feel like, I mean, it's funny, um, Jess, Laura's other half on the Modern Mamas Mm -hmm. podcast, she was talking the other day on their podcast about bread, like having a comeback now (laughs) because, you know, we're in this whole quarantine situation or most of us are at least with COVID as you and I are talking. Um, And, you know, so many people are exploring baking now when they might not have before. And I think a lot of it is because of this fear and a lot of it is just the what if, like you were saying, what would happen if I ate this bread? What would mm-hmm. happen if I encountered this fear of mine, whether it's a fear of gaining weight and just to, you know, assure anyone who is listening, bread is not going to automatically make you gain weight or change mm-hmm. your body, but it mm-hmm. does feel like that, especially when you're going through these hard, you know, these really difficult journeys with food, it can feel really daunting to eat something that feels so off limits. But then when we do allow ourselves that freedom to step into that and to try it and to allow it to nourish us, like you were saying, it's so powerful in the other direction. It can be this really powerful fear that holds us back. And then I think this really powerful opening and to that freedom of allowing the food to nourish us and moving away from that fear of what's going to happen if I eat the bread. And why bread? Why poor bread? (laughs) It's such a simple food that we we have so much fear around. And so, I mean, I don't even know where I was going with that in terms of a question, just how much of a connection I feel with your story. And I think so many women are going to feel with so many different parts of your story. And, and I love that when you were tying it into the sourdough that, yeah, I think so many women have so many fears around certain foods, especially bread. So I'm wondering, I guess, if you can 
share a little bit more about, you know, sort of the the ancient wisdom of sourdough. I know you talked about this a little bit during the workshop and how sourdough is so nourishing to us. So it was so mm. nourishing to you in your journey of finding freedom with food and allowing yourself to eat it. And then, you know, through that, finding your voice in all of this. Mm -hmm. So how does sourdough, how has it nourished us kind of throughout time, right? Because it's something that's been around for a really long time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a lot of times I like to answer what even is sourdough because it is such a like, wait, how does flour start bubbling? I don't understand. Um, but all sourdough is, is the fermentation process of um, the naturally occurring yeast that's on the surfaces of flour, the air that's around you, um, mixed with water. So all that happens, and this is a 5,000-year-old practice, which right there just gives me goosebumps, right? Um, what it is, is just flour and water coming together, fermenting, creating lactobacilli, creating carbon dioxide, which are all those blood, lovely bubbles that are in your, in your jar. Um, but with that, um, what I think is really cool is that there's yeast everywhere. I got really into studying wild yeast when I got into sourdough. Um, there's yeast everywhere, especially on the sur- surfaces of grains or carbohydrate-rich food. Um, but what's so cool about it is one teaspoon of starter has 50 million yeast and like, and 5 billion bacteria. So, so your gut is being fed really, really healthy things, but also the phytic acid um, within the sourdough process, it's breaking down that phytic acid. So it's breaking down the, the, not the gluten structure, but it's breaking down, um, the grain that a lot of us have a hard time digesting. Mm -hmm. So at first I used to think that as humans, maybe we're not meant to digest so much grain Um, in its hard form. Absolutely not. It's really, that would be really hard to eat. Right. Um, But, and then commercial bread, which we were seeing such a rise in IBS and, and gut issues um, especially in like the, the late nineties and early two thousands. And that was, around the time when bread and um, like grains were starting to be sprayed with glyphosate, Mm. which is the main ingredient found in Roundup. So, I mean, I, I used to eat bread growing up and I had no issues. Mind you, I was a young little girl who didn't really think about the bread. Like, so maybe there was no stress surrounding it, but as I got older, I really truly had these debilitating gut issues um, that so many of us suffer from. Um, that I really started to look at the commercial yeast, right? And what goes into that? And there's a lot of stuff in there and a lot of pesticides and a lot of chemicals that make it hard for us to digest. Mm-hmm. So looking into, looking into sourdough, it's very digestible. Um, it's much more friendly to our gut, right? And what I like to say is having commercial store-bought bread or yeast bread versus sourdough is the difference between the diversity of a rainforest and a tree farm. So there's much more in there. And then the ancient wisdom of sourdough to me is just this idea of one becoming many, right? So women used to make sourdough starter and give it to their neighbor. 
so that they could feed their family and and so on and so on and so on. I think my sourdough starter is in over a hundred homes. And I think that that is wild, right? When you think about that, that that was made five years ago in my kitchen and it's spread all over. And we're sharing this, um, this beautiful thing that is connecting us and we're asking for help. We are giving ourselves grace. You know, we're doing all these things that as women, it's really hard to do. But I think, hundred years ago when they're sharing these start their starter, it wasn't a big deal to ask for help. It wasn't, you know, and, and also the, the scoring of bread, those beautiful designs that people see online. Um, those were marks that people would make because they had community kitchens. So those were marks that would symbolize their family so that they could recognize their loaf at the end of the day. Um, which I just think is, is beautiful right there. Um, so there's so many little bits of sourdough that have been either that I find just so poetic in the art of art of it itself, but also have been passed down. If you can get yourself an old sourdough cookbook, it's just so cool to see the things that they've come up with and and how they talk about it and um, and how they share it. So so that is so that is sourdough for those who are like, what? Why? How does it bubble? It's it's truly just the fermentation of flour and water. Um, much like anything else that they might put on their counter, kimchi, you know, sauerkraut, whatever. So many cultures have it. So I just think it's such a cool art. It is so cool. And I think the coolest part of it that, I mean, it was one of those things that I, I know, and you might know if you know what sourdough is, but until you really truly think about it, the fact that there is yeast all around us, that there is this bacteria all around us and how much creating a sourdough starter or, you know, having a sourdough starter from someone else, like really truly connects you with the world, like connects mm. you, which feels so deep, but it really it does is. you with exactly where you are with your environment and with the person that passed it to you. And it's, it's really, really incredible to think about that and to see it. And like you said, how much it nourishes our body to be connected with our food in that way, to be connected with the, the yeast that's in the world. And I think, you know, there is, oh my gosh, in the middle of a pandemic, right now there's so much fear in the world of the unknown and what we don't know about this virus and what we don't know about what it's going to look like in the future and we there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of fear circulating and circling around and it can be a it can be a perspective shifter to look like you know there's a lot of things in this world that are circling around that are out of our control and that we might have fear around and there's also some really incredible nourishing things circling around us as we are standing or maybe not circling but that are around us right, right now right. as we are standing here that can really truly nourish us if we just tap into it, which I think is just such a cool notion to think that my starter that I started with flour and water is a part of this environment that I've been living in and has created something that has nourished me and my family. There are so many parallels with sourdough. It's, you know, the idea of something so simple, creating something so nourishing and and beautiful and, and healthy. And it really makes you stop to look at the simplicity all around you. 
And that is truly what I mean to say, circling back to the beginning when I said, like, we truly find magic in the mundane. It, it, it is all when you take one thing like sourdough and you kind of look at the rest of your life and you, you think, man, what else is really simple that I could do today? And putting a blanket outside with my son and laying and looking at the clouds and making up the story of the cloud, like that, that is what I mean to say when I, when I say, you know, harness the simple and the good and you really live great when you do that. Um, yeah, I agree with you so much. I love that so much. And I absolutely need more simplicity in my life. I think all of us, all of us do, those of us who don't have, you know, that natural instinct to lean towards simplicity. I've had to fight for a simpler view of Mm. life. And it's something that I've wanted. And I feel like, I mean, I talk a lot about uncomplicating food and uncomplicating living because I think oftentimes we allow life to get so complicated and we allow food to get so complicated and we allow nourishing our bodies to become so complicated. But oftentimes it's not about, or not oftentimes, I would argue all the time, it's not about adding more often. It is about taking a step back and really sitting exactly where you are, like you're saying, and asking, how can I create more simplicity in this? And how can I create um, a less a less complicated situation? I mean, it is way, I mean, in my opinion, it is way easier to nourish a really beautiful sourdough starter for a week or so and then just have that on your counter and have flour and just make a loaf of bread when you run a run a really delicious crusty loaf of bread versus running out to the store and getting in your car and dealing with traffic and feeling so stressed and getting to the Mm -hmm. store and buying the loaf and then getting in line and then the whole process it's so much more beautiful when you actually strip it back. Yeah, it does take a little while to get the starter going. And as long as you're embracing the simplicity and the beauty in that, mm. then it becomes this really, this really beautiful, simple process. I like to say, make time for nothing. Mm. So when you are struggling to adopt a simpler life, because I was one that had to fill my life, every minute had to be filled in order to think I was doing a good job. Mm -hmm. And when I started to tell myself, okay, what's one thing that we can do today and make it really big. So Friday night's pizza night in our house and it's on the calendar. There's a big pizza picture on the calendar and Foxen knows it's pizza night and we make the dough in the morning and then we sit around. I mean, he knows at one o'clock that is our time for nothing. And we just see what happens and we sit down. And, and I think that if you can, if you're a busy mom or a busy workaholic or whatever, if you can set aside something for what is one thing I can do today that will bring me pleasure, joy, passion, love, creativity, what's one thing that's going to nourish me? And if it's make sourdough, which I think is just the most beautiful thing you could do for yourself and your family um, to make your food tell a story fantastic. Um, and sometimes it's just sitting there and having nothing, right? Like having nothingness. There's a lot of beauty in nothingness. (sighs) I so agree. And I'm over here admitting how hard that is for me. (laughs) 
know. It's hard I for a lot. This conversation a lot. <laughs> giving me a lot of really, really important reminders that yeah, I'm glad. It can be it can be really easy to get caught up in the doing. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the beautiful parts of the sourdough process is it's not instant. It takes time. Mm-hmm. And it takes intention and not time in the sense of oftentimes we think of time like, oh, it takes a lot of time. It's a struggle. Mm. It's not a struggle. Mm -hmm. It is a gentle process like we're talking about of taking care of the dough and, you know, getting to know the dough. And Mm -hmm. I would love for you to speak on that a little bit more, Mm -hmm. I think. I think speaking on the actual process of mm-hmm. creating sourdough, you'd have to go through the whole process now because mm-hmm. I want them to sign up for your workshop Absolutely. and see you in action because <laughs> it's really hard. It's not something, it's definitely something you need to show, but right. I think there needs to be a lot of grace in the process. And I think it can be really scary to jump into it. So can you maybe speak to the woman who's thinking about starting it, starting the process of sourdough and going, oh, I'm nervous. I'm going to mess it up. It's going to take so much time. Mm -hmm. Every single woman, every single person who asks me about sourdough is afraid to start. So they always say, I'm just going to mess it up. I don't have the time. And I, all I hear is, Oh, you poor woman, you've been fed this story that you can't do anything great. Like, <laughs> I really, truly think this is a parallel of, of being a woman. And I think that when you, I think that when you start sourdough, you become this feminist. <laughs> um, and this is, this is why to me, sourdough takes nurturing. How many times a day can you say you nurture yourself? Not many, right? We work really hard for other people as women. And I think that the, doing this process truly has made me the woman I am today. But I think that when you are reading a book, and I highly recommend getting a book written by a woman because she often knows the schedule of having a baby. So look at, you know, read the beautiful cookbooks, look at the beautiful pictures, make it pleasurable for yourself. Gather your ingredients, you know, when you are mixing and feeling the dough, stop, don't think about, is this right? You know, don't second guess yourself. Just sit back and wait for feedback from yourself. Because we know as a collective, dough shouldn't be watery. You know, it should, it should feel maybe sticky. It should maybe hold somewhat of a ball shape, maybe, you know. So we kind of have a, a sixth sense about, about some things, right? Shouldn't have an, sh- my starter shouldn't smell like, oh my gosh, that's way too strong. Your starter should smell like a sun ripened apple, is what I like to say. It should smell like the back of a winery, if you've ever taken a walk back behind a winery, like moseyed back behind. And um, go easy on yourself change your perspective of what sourdough should look like. We see these big, beautiful holes in pictures and really dark, crusty, mahogany loaves. Um, Change your perspective of what good sourdough should look like. Redefine what it should taste like, right? Let it work for you and your family first, and then let's troubleshoot, right? And then let's go back over the recipe. Um, but it's all parallel to how we see ourselves and how we embody our life. Are we truly living 
in our, in our bones? Are we truly living in our skin? It's the same. It's the same when it comes to coming up to the counter and attempting this. And, you know, it's, it's truly, if you can sit back and nurture your starter, if you can take the time, which is it's, you, you talked about time and you hit the nail on the head when you said it doesn't take time. It only to feed your starter every day only takes a couple minutes, right? But it's the fact that you're going to get up, you're going to stand up every day and you're going to do this thing and it's showing up for yourself. So it's, it's all parallel. It's all this big giant metaphor for how you treat yourself. Um, so when I get pictures sent to me from women who say like, what's wrong with my bread? I did everything that you said I needed to do. And this is how it turned out and da da da. And I say first always, wow, look what you created something out of nothing. Right. Okay. It looks beautiful. I'm sure it takes, tastes great, but walk me through, walk me through it and let's go through it together. And inevitably we always find something right. Mm -hmm. But that we can always work on together, but it's this idea of, okay, hold on. I'm going to give myself an, an ounce of grace first. Look what I did. And now I'm going to call up my sister, my woman friend and ask for support and ask for help. And I'm going to gain insight and therefore learn and therefore grow and therefore teach and connect to someone else. So, so that is what I want you guys to know when you first get started is, is work we're going to treat this like we treat our seven-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to nurture her. We're going to let her speak. We're going to let her, you know, bubble up as much as she wants to bubble up. And so it's, it's giving space for your starter and it's giving space for yourself, truly. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love that you brought it back to asking for help mm -hmm. and connection so many of us as women find it really, really hard to ask for help. And even in small ways, like asking for help with our sourdough. Mm -hmm. And I know that for me being a part of the, like even just a little Facebook community and going, okay, I think something was weird with my dough. It felt a little bit, um, a little bit soft. It wasn't really ho holding its shape. And how many women came on, including you, <laughs> gave me <laughs> advice on how that I how I could tweak it a little bit. But even that was a little bit. There's that part of me that's like, oh, I should already know. Mm. And what's so funny is ultimately, the next time I went and I shaped my loaf after getting all of this advice from all of these incredible women, including yourself, and I took all of that advice in, and I'm working with this dough. And I'm feeling it and I'm going, it's just not right. And I was thinking about how much intuition is a part of the dough making process. And just like it is, I mean, it holds a lot of women back from cooking in general too, just because they feel like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do that because I don't know. I'm like, well, you know, from doing, you learn by doing and by tasting. And in the same way with dough, it's by feeling and by learning what your dough is supposed to feel like. And kind of coming back to this connecting us with other people and then also connecting us with our environment and our world. I was thinking about it as I was shaping this dough and it just wasn't feeling right. And I remembered you mentioning that I might just need to add some more flour. And so I added a little bit more flour and every part of me was like, every bit of my Enneagram one was like, this isn't right. You're not following the recipe. Mm. <laughs> I shouldn't be doing mm. this. And it occurred to me that I live on an island off of the East Coast. 
Mm. means that I live in a really moist, humid environment Mm -hmm. and that my dough needs more flour. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, she won't hold her shape (laughs) Mm. and she'll be a little bit like looser and she's going to look different than your dough and she's going to look different than Laura's dough and every Mm. other woman in the um, sourdough sisterhood. And I mean, how, how much is that a parallel for how different we all are as, Mm. as women and how by connecting with that and real and connecting with the environment and then also connecting with the other women going, it's okay, you'll figure it out. And, but then having to go and really just ultimately rely on my own intuition, feeling this and going, okay, I'm taking all of this advice of these other people, but ultimately I'm standing here going, oh my gosh, all I need to do is add a little bit more flour because this is what is right for my dough. Just like learning. Like, isn't that cool? Where I was like, so cool. Oh, it's so, oh my gosh, it's just so cool. It's so wild, right? But it's this, you know, you know, like on how Halloween people are able to dress up as whatever they want and da, 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 da. For every woman out there who needs that one outlet, right? To just, it's like, I'm going to do this and it's okay if I mess up because mm-hmm. it's just bread. If it, if, if that's where you need to mess up to experiment or to not eat, like insert any word here, right? Mess up, express creativity, not feel alone. I want to feel seen. I want to feel heard. I want, I want to listen to what my gut is saying. If you can just pause and shut out the noise and look at your freaking dough and think, and, and you're like, she's not holding shape. Okay. I'm going to shape her again. I'm going to create more tension to give her more space to fill out. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I need to, I need to create some boundaries with her. It's it. I telling you, it always comes back to yourself. Mm -hmm. It always comes back to, I need some boundaries with some people in my life, or I need to embrace a little bit more simplicity in my life. How am I going to do that? And you just wait and you listen and and it's wild. And I, I think that is the coolest feedback that you're telling me. It's like, oh my gosh, I live on an island. <laughs> I need to do these things. And my loaf is going to look a di- little different and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so magical. So, so good. Oh my gosh. I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours I know. about I, this. <laughs> I know. This is so, I feel like we've gone on so long. <laughs> I know, but it's been so incredible. And I think that any woman who's listening has gotten so much out of this. And whether or not they ever want to make a loaf of sourdough, this conversation is absolutely, I'm sure everyone's going to after this. And um, <laughs> just because it is such an incredible process. And I'm really glad you came on and shared just, I think, the the depth of the sourdough process and how it connects us to ourselves and the world and each other, especially during a time where it's gained so much popularity in the world. And it's just right. this like cool, trendy thing to do now. We're mm-hmm. all baking bread because we're mm-hmm. all quarantined. And how many people are just going to you know, get frustrated with the process and let it go? Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, if you change your perspective, going mm-hmm. back to perspective, and you allow this to be something that's 
a little bit more. And hopefully they are getting a little bit more out of this process than just something fun to do for a couple weeks during quarantine. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can, I think, you know, in our journeys with food in general, it can be really easy to look at something like food freedom or intuitive eating as something that I'm just going to do for a little while. It's going to be a trend. And then I've got to go back to doing things Mm. a certain way until we allow it Mm. to change our perspective and to change our lives. And Mm -hmm. I think you've, you've done this with sourdough. You've allowed Mm -hmm. it to, um, be such an incredible part of your life and then therefore such an incredible part of so many, so many other women's lives. So Mm. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that it's been this really cool way for you to share your story and make so many other women feel not alone. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they will connect with you through this and connect with sourdough. (laughs) I hope so. So I know that you have, so I have a couple of final questions that I want to ask you because I, we could literally talk for another two hours, but I actually have have another call. You should, you absolutely should. (laughs) I would love to have you on again. Oh my gosh. Well, maybe we'll have to do it in person now that I've decided that I have to come out and visit you. (laughs) Absolutely. That would be so amazing. So, so I'm just inviting myself to your house at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Fantastic. All are welcome. Um, but yeah, so I have a couple final questions and then I want them to share what you have, um, coming up with, with sunshine and sage, but I have a few little questions I love to ask people at the very end. And this is kind of a funny question because we've been talking about food this entire time. But my first question, because I love, as you know, to share food in a way that is joyful as well as nourishing and free. What is your favorite thing to cook? My favorite thing to cook is my, my mom's recipe of chicken and dumplings. And the reason why is because I have a cookbook where she has handwritten the recipes and family members have handwritten their recipes. And it was a gift given to me um, at my wedding and to be able to see her handwriting and touch it. And um, so every time I make it, it, it's my favorite meal, but every time I make it, I just feel so connected and so nourished. And um, yeah, so that menu, that, that recipe truly tells a story for me. So I highly recommend everyone to have a recipe book where they can write notes. And, um, and I share that a lot on social media. But anyway, chicken and dumplings, my mom's. Say mom's. Oh, I love that so much. That's so great. And I, you know, I thought about that, that I need an actual recipe book where I write my absolute favorite recipes down because I have recipes Mm -hmm. all over the internet, but my real Mm. favorites, I want to have a place where they're written down. So even if, you know, the entire internet blows up and we don't have it anymore, (laughs) my kids, my kids will have those because it is so beautiful to pass down those recipes and that food because food is such an incredible way to connect with family. Like it's we've it's about how you find magic in the mundane. If you yes. are reading this recipe book, I, my sourdough discard pancakes say, I'm making these right now. And like, I'm creating this recipe and Foxen is kicking in my belly. Hmm. And I, I'll always have that written on paper and I'm going to give him this book when he's older. And so I just think when you can harness that, those memories, those little snippets, that's what makes mundane things so magical. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So then what is your favorite thing to order if you're going to go out to a restaurant or have someone else cook for you? 
yeah, we really don't go out. Um, my husband grills steak really well. Mm. And something he makes for me is this grilled steak. We have music on, we pour a glass of wine and we make it this really fun event. And he makes this really beautiful rosemary balsamic wine reduction sauce that goes, gets poured over the steak. And it is, it is my favorite thing. And I just kind of sit back like a queen and he cooks this thing for me. Yeah. And it's just a truly fun event. (laughs) That sounds like heaven. Oh my gosh. It's so (laughs) So good. good. (laughs) So we talk a lot on this podcast about finding what I like to call your beautiful balance. So going beyond obsessing over food and finding nourishment and pleasure in food and life. Basically what we've been talking about Mm. the entire time. So (laughs) what does your beautiful balance mean to you? Hmm. This is a hard one for me and only because it's, it changes so much because I am such an intuitive liver, but liver, liver, I live my life intuitively. Um, I think that for me, I, I try and meet myself where I'm at every day. So for me, that looks like waking up just before everyone else. It doesn't need to be an hour just before everyone else. And I just kind of sit with the silence. Um, I write, I, I really am a big person of of writing gratitude. And I think for me, it starts with meeting myself where I'm at. So if I'm feeling sad, I really try and tap into that. And I really try and nurture whatever's going on with me, with the world. I'm a big feeler. So right now the world is feeling a lot and I'm right there with it. Um, So I, I really try and meet myself where I'm at. I try and ask myself what is going to bring joy to our day? What is going to bring joy to to my day? And a lot of the times it is surrounding food um, because we do cook all of our own bread. We cook a lot of our own food. Um, So I think it always, it just, it's, it's constantly circling back to this finding magic in the mundane. Right. So um, meeting myself where I'm at, asking myself what I really need finding the little bits of joy that I can easily grab and attain, right? Nothing big, something easy and, and finding the gratitude in that. Um, so the other part of that with food, there are no rules of food in our house. So I've heard a lot of amazing women on the, on this podcast talk about their healthy balance with food and like um, how they eat. And I think I just want to answer this question as, finding pleasure in everything I do, trying to find pleasure in everything I do and letting the food be the second, like letting the food um, be the vessel for the joy, I guess I mean to say. Um, and, and yeah, just continue finding that magic wherever you can. And if it's bread, fantastic. If it's ice cream, great. If it's a salad, great, you know. Um, but really giving yourself that grace and that love and that nurturing that you really, really need. Ah, so, so beautiful. I love that so much. I am all about bringing pleasure and joy into everything. Mm-hmm. So you have some exciting things coming up. Can you share about sunshine? I can't speak. Sunshine know, and sage. <laughs> yes. Sunshine and sage is my beautiful um, business that I, by the time this airs, it will have been launched. Um, but it is opening up 
here very soon. It is a, a website where you'll be able to come and feel safe and feel seen and feel heard, which is like my big things, um, but to come and purchase organic sourdough starter. You'll be able to have access to resources and even virtual support calls with me if you're really needing you know, support and help. Um, simple recipes, I like to keep sourdough very simple. I don't think that you need a lot of trendy equipment and trendy flowers. I really think there is a lot of beauty to be found in, in keeping it true to its nature, keeping it very simple and using what you have uh, to make something beautiful out of nothing. And so everything will be able to be found on sunshinesage.com. And then I share all kinds of, I like to call them musings, just motherhood musings and food freedom musings and um, love notes from a nourished kitchen is what I call them. These recipes that I share on Instagram and that is at ashley.sunshineandsage. Your Instagram is so beautiful. It is like poetry. I love every post. And I definitely went on a bit of a scrolling spree a few days ago as I was preparing our questions because I'm like, I, I don't really have any questions. I just want to chat with her, which is what we did. Um, but I was like, I want to I read more. I want to dig into her story a little bit more. And it is, it is so incredibly beautiful. So I hope that they will go and they will read through your Instagram and they'll connect with you and I'm so excited to see everything that you bring to the world and your recipes. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. I'm so honored to be able to share this voice, and I really hope that it, that it inspires one woman to reach out um, and come say hi to me, start sourdough, and to, to let their voice be heard because it truly is powerful. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.